That's a sobering account of Genesis chapter 3. It's broken now. Your marriage is telling a story, but it's not as easy to tell the story now. God's original intent, that relationship that Adam and Eve had, was broken now. And so tonight, as we have just sung about him being a waymaker, it brings us to the reality that we need a waymaker because of the brokenness that we experience. I don't need to recount, and Robin won't recount all the scripture, but Genesis 3, 1 through 7, has us realizing that we have believed a lie. And many of us in our marriages have believed a lie as well. So tonight, we're going to talk about telling God's story through connection. That connection has been broken, but we're going to talk about that tonight. I just want to point out one scripture that really brings it home for me. And um, this is Genesis 3, and I think it's about verse 3 or 4. But it says, where the serpent comes and she, he begins to talk to Eve, and he says, you will not surely die. At that point, Eve had an opportunity mm -hmm. to turn and talk to her teammate. But she didn't do that. Eve chose to allow the serpent to get his point of view in. And she immediately believed the lie. And that lie is still continuing on in our marriages today. And as a result, we have a lot of brokenness in marriage. And we're going to share some ways that you can, yes, be broken in your marriage, but still bring glory to God in your marriage. And so as we see from Genesis chapter 3, we all suffer from this depravity, the darkness, the lie that our foreparents believed. And because of that, we find ourselves separated from God. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, it says that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of from the presence of God among the trees of the garden, which is kind of hilarious. They're hiding from God's presence <laughs> among God's creation. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Who told you? that you were naked. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Given the man a chance to confess, he says, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And what did the woman say? The serpent did it. The devil made me do it. <laughs> The serpent deceived me and I ate. So we find that we are in a profound separation. Number one, we are separated from God, from our foreparents. Now, I know it's evening. I know it's night. I know you've eaten. You're tired, but you got to stay with us. I would say we've laid the foundation, but tonight is especially important. Because of the brokenness that we all experience in our world, we find ourselves profoundly separated from God. Not knowing how to find our way back to him. Adam and Eve, in a proverbial, allegorical kind of way, tried to repair things by sowing fig leaves. Trying to cover themselves so that they would be okay. We do this in many ways. But we also find ourselves being separated from each other. Genesis 3, 12 and 13 said, The man said, The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent 
deceived me and I ate. There are several things that enter in. There are several things that enter into our relationship here. And they are continually entering into our relationship over and over again. One of those is fear. The second is shame. The third is guilt. And the fourth is blame. And we see that our relationships don't come as easily. How many, there might be a few of you in here, your relationship with your spouse is just easy. And we don't like you. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And if he asks you to raise your hand, every hand needs to go up so that your spouse likes you when you get back to the room. But but honestly, a lot of our relationships, they're not bad, but they're hard. And what has brought the difficulty is fear. One, Adam and Eve hid themselves because they were afraid. One, they were afraid because God said the day that you eat this fruit, you're going to do what? So maybe they thought God's coming to kill us. They were afraid. They were shame-filled. They covered themselves. Many of us in our relationships with our spouses, we hide from each other. I don't really want you to know me. If you knew the real me, you wouldn't love me. If you knew my inner thoughts, you would reject me. And so a lot of us, even in our marriages, find ourselves filled with shame. Another thing that we're all filled with is guilt. You know, we're we're guilt-ridden because of different things that happened in our growing up years, because of things that we process now. We're filled with guilt, and the enemy loves that. The enemy loved that when Eve ate of the fruit. And he continues to just replicate that in all of our relationships. And as a result, we're living in a guilt-ridden relationship with the one that there should be no shame, no honor. I mean, I'm sorry, no shame and no blame. But that's what we do. We live in that relationship with that guilt. And uh, Robin already alluded to this, and it leads to blame. Mm. When God confronted them, they blamed other things. The man blamed God. You're the one who brought her to me. I didn't even ask for her. I was asleep. I was naming animals, <laughs> fell asleep, and woke up, and there she was. God, it's the woman you gave me, and it's the woman. So he blamed God. He blamed the woman. And then the woman, what did she do? Who did she blame? The serpent. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see there's not another person I can blame, but that thing that slithers around on the floor, or maybe wasn't slithering then, but that thing did it to me. And we look yeah. for somebody to blame. And it happens even in our relationships now. And not only is there fear, there's guilt, there's shame, there's blame, but there's also a battle for control in your relationship. In Genesis chapter 3 as well, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talk- God is talking about the serpent and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, ultimately talking about Jesus Christ, he, will, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I love this, God says to Eve, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Is that right, ladies? Why do you love it so much? Well, did you hear, did you hear him say he loves it? Did, did you not? Mm. I haven't gotten to the part I love okay, yet. Okay, well, okay, let's get here's this. The, here's the part I love. Besides the pain, childbearing and pain, you shall bring forth children. Here it is. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. <laughs> That's the Bible. That's the Bible. But That's let's, the Bible. let's interpret the Bible correctly, okay? So what is it saying? You want me to explain it? Yes, please, because you brought it out there. Put it all out there. Your desire shall be... Like we will. I love this. When you, when you have a cursory reading of this, you're like, this is, not a, this is not God giving out a curse. This is wonderful. The man this, said. The, <laughs> a desire. But if you look at Genesis chapter 4, he uses that same word for desire when Cain is about to do something. He's about to kill his brother. The Lord says, sin has desired you. It's the same Hebrew word. It's the idea, sin wants to overtake you. Sin wants to control you. 
And it was, it's saying, God is saying to Adam and Eve, as a result of you choosing to sin against me, a woman's desire is going to be to control her husband. But you know what? He's going to dominate over you. And this is the curse that there's this battle for control. Is there ever a battle for control in your marriage? As a wife, have you ever felt, if my husband would just do what I tell him to do, we'd have a great marriage? Or if he let me drive, we had an even better one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so what we find ourselves, we're in this battle for control. So what we want to talk about for the rest of the time is how do we repair this brokenness? And we're going to talk about it several ways, how we can build connection. The fall, the, uh, the depravity of man has split us in two. And we find ourselves, it's easy to be disconnected or to be isolated from each other. But we're going to talk about how to build connection. And can I, I want to add another thing. Your connection will never be perfect this side of heaven. So don't look for perfection, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of us are saying, if I mess this up, I'm not getting it right. You will never get it perfectly this side of heaven. All right, okay. so let's talk about the first one, so if, if you're build, taking notes. How do we build connection? Yeah. We're going to connect or learn connecting relationally. Now, for us, the way that we continue to build our connection is through dating. Do you guys have a regular date set with your spouse? Not just, okay, let's go through this weekend once a year, but do you have something on a regular basis where you're spending time one-on-one -on -one to connect to the one that you're walking out life with? And one of the ways that Robin and I do that, every Friday we have a date day. And this is our time. As a pastor, it, that's probably my only day off is Friday. And so this is our time to do whatever we decide to do. There's no kids around. There's no one uh, to disturb us. Our kids, if they call us, they'll go, oh, I forgot. This is your date day. Right. This is your time away. And so this is how you connect relationally. And I add another caveat. You cannot do this every, we don't get away every single solitary week. So don't make it like, I got to do this or something's blown. You're not going to do it perfectly. So our dating is normally on Fridays, mm -hmm. and we start the morning off together doing what we want to do. Sometimes we get a movie, sometimes we don't, but sometimes we do hospital visits, but we're doing it together. So that's dating. dating I just don't want people to leave here guilty because your dating day hasn't happened for the last several weeks, all right? Start it this week and get it this week, and then know that it won't ever be perfect this side of it. Somebody's going to die on your date day. <laughs> I hope that's not prophetic. But, <laughs> but you know, they do. They do. Yes. You know, uh, one of the things I was thinking, especially for those of you who have, I know many of us have raised our kids, but some of you are right in the middle of it and you've got toddlers and you've got little ones. How do we do it? Sometimes you just have to put those kids down to bed, lock their doors. Um, no. No, I'm not saying to leave them there, okay. but I'm just saying, like, and then just have a date in your own bedroom. And we've done that. You know, get, <laughs> go get some chips and salsa from Chili's or something, and just, you have to have a date in your own room. Sometimes you can't afford a babysitter. Sometimes you can't. And you have to trade off with other, you guys know all that, but fight for dating. A, a weekend away is another way to connect uh, relationally with each other. Having fun together. Having fun together. And you've got to create ways to get to know each other. Some of you have done it here, uh, gone hiking, you've gone on walks. I heard that some of you like the ropes course and your spouse might not like the ropes <laughs> course. You're not going to connect relationally when that happens as much. But that, you know, find something fun that you can that do together. Like, like bowling, easy stuff, or like slamming that ball on a spike. You know, right in his face. So, so that you can have fun together as he takes care of his nosebleed. All right? Have fun together. I mean, I'm just, I'm very, very, very competitive. All right? So I want to win every time when it comes to fun stuff. That's right. Yeah. So serving together, yeah. uh, talking, communicating, these are all things. Uh, there was one couple, and I want to make mention of this, that we know. They said every Sunday night they have a check-in. 
And every Sunday night, here are the three questions that they ask. Now, these are their questions. You can come up with your own, but here's what they said. And I thought this was great. I took notes on it. They said, number one, they'll ask, what has God been teaching you this week? And they sit around and they talk about that. What has God been teaching you? Number two, they'll ask the question, is there any way I have offended you this week? Is there any way I've offended you this week? And then number three, is there any way I can serve you better? Is there any way I can serve you better? Can you imagine doing that check-in on, I don't know what night of the week it would be for you, but like on a Sunday night, you do a check-in, that just take a few minutes, but you're connecting relationally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would be scared to ask those questions. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that's really cool for the home. Okay. I think we need to try this. Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> I think we're going to start Sunday. Oh, mercy. Um, she's squirming over here. We're definitely doing it. Uh, we're going to do that check-in. But, you know, you can come up with your own questions. That's great. So not only connecting relationally, but connecting emotionally. This is number two, connecting emotionally. What are some ways we How can do, do that? How do you do that? By talking. Yeah. And not just talking at each other, but talking with and to each other. Yeah. And I think that's very important. Another major one is listening. Can I go back yeah. to the talking real okay. quick? Because I think there's some people in here that you never express yourself. Mm. You're, you're the one who normally listens. I want to give you permission. <laughs> express. Be, uh, take a risk. To be a person that talks, tell your spouse what's on your heart. So that's one way of connecting. And, you know, we didn't have that for a long time because that's not the way that Ray grew up expressing. And I grew up, we not only expressed, we exploded. And so I scared him away from talking. And so now to be married to this man that he has quite a bit to say. Whether I like it or not, he's going to say it. Okay, so it's really sweet being able to listen, which is the next thing that's coming. But you not only talk, but you listen. And both people have to do both things. Both people have to talk, and both people have to listen. And that means stop what you're doing, turn your attention to the one you're listening to, and listen like it's very, very important to you. And to be able to listen without being defensive, (coughs) that's so hard. You know, because you want to say, well, that's not true. We went out on a date two years ago, you know, (laughs) but to really listen to the person's heart. It's not about the nail. Mm. You know, we just saw that video (laughs) to be able to uh, listen without trying to fix it. And that that was very difficult for me, because if Robin was telling me something, I was like, uh, when she would finish, I would go, well, here are 10 things we can do. She's like, you didn't hear me. I said, I heard you. She said, no, you didn't hear me. I said, Rob, I heard you. But here's what we need to do. And realizing it's not always about fixing it. That's right. But being able to connect with your spouse's heart is so important. So talking, listening. Another thing is being very transparent. And and it's easy for us to say, oh, the weather's this way and this is how are you doing? Fine. How's work? Fine. How's this? We need to be transparent. I am sure that work every day is not fine. And you have a teammate in your house that is willing and able to pray for you. But they can't pray for you if everything's fine. And so be very transparent. This is the one that you can be naked and not ashamed. So be transparent in your interaction. And, and I would say this, and we have another point, not just transparency, but honesty. But you've also got to allow your spouse to be transparent. Mm-hmm. Not to judge them or to look down on them. I have found so many couples one person is afraid to really disclose who they are because they know they'll be taunted or it'll be used against them later. And we've got to realize that that displeases God when we use a, something as a weapon against someone when they've shared their heart. Mm-hmm. And so as a spouse, that's how you connect emotionally, to be transparent, uh, yeah, we're going to share more about that in just a moment. And encouragement. Encouragement. I love that. Yeah. Robin does a great job. She's such an encourager. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just her gift. She's able to do that. She's quick-witted. 
and quick-tongued, um, but in a good way. Okay, see, that's what I'm saying. That first. Yes, she's she is, and and the encouragement that she brings, she is truly a cheerleader. Okay, so we now know that we're going to connect relationally. We're going to connect emotionally, and the next thing that we're going to do is connect physically. And I love that the Lord allows us to do this. Now, we're not talking about sexually right now. We're just talking about physically. How can we connect physically? I love that Don have everybody in here grab a hold of their spouse during that last song. That's connecting physically. You belong to that man that's sitting next to you. And so you get to wrap your arms around him and praise God together. It was pretty amazing to do that. And so physical touch, putting your arm around your husband or wife, holding each other, that's part of just connecting physically. And you know, and being in the same proximity, uh, we have found physically working together, physically being, uh, you know, in the garden, working the ground, uh, watching your wife scream as she see bugs, you know, uh, just being there physically with each other. Also, um, I don't know, we kind of mentioned this before, even being in, involved in a sport together. We played on the same volleyball team as a married couple, and our kids were like, can we play too? We're like, no, this is, this is for us. This is our time. This is our team. And uh, it can lead to other things as well. But I, I love just that physical touch in that way. And so another way. way to connect physically is mm -hmm. non-sexual touch. Right. Non-sexual touch. So it's important that you're able to grab his hand. Don't go too low. Just grab his hand, you know, and, um, and just hold on to him. It's important. I think that it's important that if you see that your husband has food or the little white spit that Ray gets in the corner of his, you know, I just get to touch him physically so that he doesn't look bad because this is my man. Okay, you don't want your man looking bad, okay, ladies? Is that not the truth? So you take care of him. I didn't really have that in mind. On I, this, I know but, you didn't, but I'm but here to. I am here to help make it practical. And those are practical. You know when they have sleep in their eyes and they're getting ready to go to the office? Uh-uh, don't let them go out like that. Or they forgot to brush. Tuck, tell them your teeth need to be brushed. You know, it's just important that you do that. It's important that you take care of him. That's connecting physically. And it's important that you have somebody on your team that will do that for you. Because a teammate won't let another teammate go out onto the field looking bad. Go on. Are you done? I think so. <laughs> I love that, you know, the part of connecting physically, and we're connecting emotionally, and we're connecting relationally, an outgrowth of that is connecting sexually. And a lot of times, we try to connect sexually, and we've not connected in any other way. And I can tell you, I've learned over the years, when you've not connected in these other ways, it's harder for one of you to connect well sexually, when you've not connected emotionally, relationally, and physically. So we're going to talk about that a little bit right now, connecting sexually. Okay, one of the things that we have to know here, and he said it the first night, is that sex was created by God. Who was sex created by? God. Sex was who? Created by whom? God. God. And it was designed for our good. God made it where it's mutually pleasurable. Hmm. Not just for one, but for our good. And you know, it's, it's so amazing. We live in a sex-crazed uh, culture. But do you know we're having sex less and less? There, it, it is statistically, it is unbelievable how we are so into sex, but the amount of sex that people are having is less and less. And there's reasons for that. And we're not going to go into all those reasons, but I can tell you we've been discipled by the world mm. in what sexual intimacy is like. So we've got to take back. That's right. We've got to take back our godly sex. We yeah, is that all? I heard amen, amen yeah. over there. <laughs> our from, God, our Father created sexual intimacy for our pleasure. Amen. amen. Say it like you really mean it now. Come on. Amen. <laughs> that was a little bit okay, but I think you can do much better. But that's the truth. He created this for and sex is not a thermostat. It's, it's a, the, 
Am I saying the right? Yeah. A thermometer. So get yeah. this mixed up. But this is a thermometer. And it's so important that you understand that God created this for his pleasure and for your pleasure. Well, not for his pleasure, right? It, Maybe. it brings great pleasure brings, to God. That's right. It it, does. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, this is off script a little bit. What, when you realize whenever you glorify God, mm. you're making war with the enemy. Because the enemy is all about destroying the glory of God. Mm. And so whenever you are making love, you are glorifying God. You're doing what he's designed you to do. And if you're glorifying God, you are making war with the enemy. So make war. Make war. Is that all we get on that? <laughs> There's a few people that are, yes, you make war. So what we want to talk about, now we do have several things that we want to mention. And Robin said this already. A lot of people will think sex is a thermostat, that if things are going bad in the relationship, just turn up the heat. Mm -hmm. But sex is really, it just registers what's going on in the relationship. And so we're going to talk about four things that will really display um, that sex can be affected by these four things. Okay. And we're going to start by saying sex can be affected by your physical condition. And this is truth. Sometimes you're just so exhausted. You're like, can you just give me a few minutes to sleep? Because your physical, if you're exhausted, mm -hmm. then you can't participate or be, or be mutually involved in this. And one of the things I always tell Ray, when I'm exhausted and I just need a couple of hours, I will wake you up. And I'm so grateful the Lord will wake me up to wake him up. Because it's important to God. <laughs> Okay, I missed all of that. We need a camera. <laughs> I was just agreeing with you. That's all. But it's so important. I don't think that we realize how important it is. Sex can also be affected by your diet. I don't know. We have in our family a couple of people that are gluten intolerant. And as a result of that, it makes them feel sluggish. If you're feeling sluggish, you may not feel ready for sexual intimacy. So mm. if that's the case, then that cuts some stuff out of your diet. And then um, sex can be affected by exercise or lack thereof. If you know you need to exercise to keep your, your everything up, you know, then get you some exercise. And I, I probably shouldn't have said that like that, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Sometimes everything needs to stand erect, okay? <laughs> Sometimes, okay. I am so glad I am brown. Because I would be red right now. It's just so, it's hilarious. Yeah. And I'm going to, and I'm going to go on some other physical Please things. Right. <laughs> some other physical things that can affect your sexual intimacy is pregnancy. I've been pregnant a few times. Okay. And with my first child, I gained 50 pounds. All right. Now I lost 35 pounds the, day, the week after a water weight, but it changed my interest in sexual intimacy. Try to lug around 50 pounds all day, you get a little fatigued. And as a result, it does affect, these are some of the things physically that can affect your sexual intimacy. And uh, one thing that we don't talk a lot, well, I guess they talk a lot about it on television, is dysfunction. You know, when you, uh, erectile dysfunction, uh, menopause, pain during intercourse, these are all things that physically can I, and our bodies change as we get older. I, I tell you, no one ever mentioned that sex at 60 is different than sex at 20. Things don't work on command like they used to. <laughs> uh, let's keep going. No, uh, I, I no, mean, for other people. Don't you feel like you need an explanation? <laughs> but it's, it's just so, it, it, these are things that we don't talk about. And we find ourselves uh, often comparing to how it used to be, but... Sex is very physical. Let's go on to the second one. Sex can be affected by your mental well-being when it comes to stress. If you're experiencing a lot of stress in your life, you're not going to be as interested in sex. If you're having, I know there's a wayward child or if there's uh, things happening on your job or you're preoccupied with different things. Yeah, so, and one of the biggest things that we, um, I think that a lot of us don't even realize has affected our sex life mentally is wrong information. 
Now so in this true. room, how many of you guys were taught sexual intimacy is wonderful, created by God, and for your pleasure? And it's wonderful, and your parents taught you as they sat down maybe with the Bible and said, this is something God created, and we should not be ashamed of what God created. Can we get one or two hands? How many of you heard look. sex that way? Yeah. Now, I want you guys all to look around and see the hands that are raised. And then how many of you guys in this room heard about sex a different way? Where Maybe it may have been, you know, oh, we're not going to do the nasty today, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I can give you a whole lot of terminology for sexual intimacy. Yeah. But there's things that give you this wrong information. So you go into intimacy thinking, I can't do the nasty because I never could do it prior to this. And you haven't stamped out the, the wrong information with the right information. Mm -hmm. And it is still affecting you today, whether you like it or not, or whether you know it or not. It is affecting you today. I, I remember I was on a trip with my boys when they were little, and I was in the van, and at that time we had a five, six, and seven-year-old, and I was listening to uh, a radio preacher, Tony Evans. He was preaching, and he was saying, sex! He was just screaming the word sex. I don't remember what else he said, but I can hear, remember sex. And so I was like, ooh, I don't know. I've not talked to my boys about that, so I turned the radio dial, dial down, and I thought, wait a minute, this is a teachable moment. So I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I said, hey guys, what is sex? And they got really quiet. <laughs> and then I said, come on, tell me, what is sex? And my son Ross said, well, it's when you get naked. And I thought, oh my goodness, did he see us? Was the door open? I don't know. And then I said, okay, and what else do you do? He said, and you do push-ups on each other. <laughs> Okay. And then I never will forget, I said, Ross, where did you hear that? And he said, well, when our cousin, you know, when our cousin spent the night the uh, last week or so, he told us all about sex. And he said that he has a girlfriend and they have sex every day. And I said, that's a lie. I don't even have sex every day. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. And then I never will forget, he looked at me and he said, Daddy, is sex bad? You know, that's how many of us grow up. We have a, a wrong view. Or maybe you grew up in a church where sex was always, don't ever have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex, stay away from sex. And never present it in a godly way. And we have this mental block, sex is bad. So sex can be affected by your physical condition. We talked about that. Sex can be affected by your mental uh, well-being. And sex can be affected by your emotional health. And so number one, we're going to talk about this because this was a part of our life. Where Ray grew up and he was in a sexually abusive home. And as a result, it affected us years later. Yeah. And I, I just want to jump in here just to give a little bit more context. So... When you talk about sexual intimacy, and if you've been abused sexually, as Robin was just saying, that's part of my story. I was sexually abused as a kid. There is, there is a emotional block that happens when it comes to sexual intimacy. And I know in a room this size, I know I have other brothers and sisters who have gone through the same thing. You guys know what it's like. You know the mental gymnastics that you have to go through. You know, uh, I remember when we were first married, I desired sex, but I had to really work hard at feeling that it was okay. And I did so much work on that, I didn't enjoy it as much because it was just, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work to just get myself prepared for this. And so I know that there are other people in the room. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I'm thankful for people, therapists to talk to. I'm thankful for books like uh, The Wounded Heart. Is that, that? Yeah, and I remember reading that, and it was so helpful, reading The Wounded Heart. And then Robin read it as well, so that we were on the same page in this part of our lives. So sex can be affected By through abuse. abuse. And another thing I want to just add here, when Ray used to do counseling, because this sexual abuse and his past was really affecting our sexual intimacy, um, I used to use that time to fast and pray for him. 
And I don't think we give the Lord enough credit or, or we give the Lord all of our burden. We're keeping it thinking that, okay, let this therapist do what they need to do so you can be better. Get on your knees for your spouse. Get on your knees and pray for them that, the, that all that the enemy has perpetrated against them, even before you knew them, can be washed out with truth. And now I'm married to a whole new man that I didn't marry 34 years ago almost. And, so. and just to really piggyback on that again, you've got to allow your spouse to be transparent in this area. That's where you work together and you're able to hear her or hear him and fight together as a team. All right, let's keep going. Sex can be affected by your emotional health, abuse, or anger, or real or false guilt that plays in our lives, and then self-perception. Self-perception. And so, um, let me see. I can count my pregnancies, 15, okay? The Lord has allowed me to bear 15 children. Some he took to heaven early and some are here. But with those 15 pregnancies, I was left with a gift, all right? And she's called Eunice, and she goes with me every day. She's right here. You see that? That's Eunice. That's Eunice. You see Eunice over there? She's here, okay? Oh she stays with me every day. And let me tell you, anytime Ray and I have an intimate time, Eunice decides she wants to dance. All right? Now, now those of you that have a Eunice, raise your hand. Raise oh. No, we all, we, some of us won't admit it, but she's there. And if she's not there this year, she'll be there next or the next or the next. But Eunice wants to dance with you. And if I gave too much importance to Eunice, I would miss out on a sweet time of sexual intimacy with my husband. So I let Eunice dance. And Eunice lately has bought friends. Priscilla's back here, okay? Yeah, okay? And um, no, I'm not being funny. Y'all know, and you know they dance. And then we got some wing flappers, you know, that flap. And they really going. And so, but the beauty is if I just allow this body that the Lord has allowed me to live this life in to affect my sexual intimacy, then I miss it yeah. if I look on it negatively. So your perception or how you perceive your body has a lot to do with your sexual health. And, and you know, what Robin is saying is so true. And I know she uses herself as an example, but we live in a world where we're comparing ourselves to The Bachelor. Mm. You know, we're watching this. You know, we're watching Ryan come out of the ocean. Mm. And the camera is panning down his rows of abs. And then you look over at the couch and you see your husband and he's scratching, you know, and, you, and, and you're looking, uh, Ryan or the husband or Ryan or the husband. And we've got this, we've got it wrong. Yeah. We need to be okay with how we're made. Amen. We need to free ourselves up sexually in that way. The, let me tell you, I don't care how beautiful your body is, and it is beautiful, but that's not the total sum of who you are. Amen. And so God has given us that gift to celebrate. We need to keep going, Rob. Okay, it's 8.22 okay, already. All right, but first, I just, okay. Ray says this at a lot of conferences, and I don't want you to miss this, because boy, he, you know, of all the things that he can say, it makes me feel so good about who I am. But it can make you feel good, too, ladies and gentlemen, if you understand this. So say, say what you say. Okay, now so, we've been asked before about what do you do if, you, if my husband doesn't find me attractive? We've been, I've been asked that before by ladies. And I'll say this, I go, my wife is my standard of beauty. Wait a minute, say it again. My wife, <laughs> my wife is my standard of beauty. So as she ages, Beauty gets more beautiful, mm. and we age together. And so that's my standard. It's not Twiggy on TV. Mm. That's a terrible thing to say. No, that's okay. Uh, I know that's not the right thing. It's, it's not the airbrushed person. That's right. It's the lady that I live with these last 34 years. Yeah, and, and the beauty is it's not just the body that makes up that woman. It is so the character that you see in her every day. All right, we better keep okay. going. 
Sex can be affected by your emotional health, um, secrets. There are things that, you know, you've kept uh, from your spouse, and those things will affect you uh, emotionally in that way. Also, sex can be affected by your spiritual condition. And this is where we want to turn the corner because I think this is so very important. Sex, sexual intimacy is a very spiritual act. And you've got to realize that uh, it's important that you don't think of it just in the physical realm, that it's something that God has, he wants us to enjoy with him. I had one pastor challenge me. He said, have you ever prayed during sex? And I thought I misheard him. And I really did. And he said, have you ever prayed during sex? And I was like, no, I've prayed for sex, but never during. <laughs> and I'm not looking in her direction. I'm just looking straight ahead. So, so I'm going to pray really hard tonight. <laughs> but... But, you know, when he said that, I was like, I've never thought to do that. And some of you may practice that already, but I've been challenging couples, bring the Lord into that. Because we separate him thinking, uh, God doesn't want to be during the icky stuff. <laughs> but he's there. Let's ask him to be a part of what's happening. And so... Um, so another way that we can... Um Make sure that we are, are bringing our sexual enemy back with a with great spiritual connection or, or connecting spiritually is, number one, we need to do some praying together. Yeah. Now, I, it's real easy for us to pray separately or individually, but are we praying together? And, and that's the way that we're building this unity that we talked about last night. Yeah. You need to be praying together so you're building unity. Are you on the same team? Are you fighting the same battles? And so bring your, your intimacy even into your prayer life. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a second. I want to read you a quote. I, I was reading this book by Brian Clark, and he said this. Sexual intimacy is very important. He said, no amount of tutoring on sexual technique can compensate for spiritual emptiness. He said this, ignore God and sex will never be what it was meant to be. Sex is designed to be a pointer, not a substitute for God. And so your sexual intimacy is, again, telling that story, that beautiful story of God. Now, I want to say this, sex is not as natural as it seems. I would like to give another quote, and then we're going to continue on and give you our last point for the evening. Uh, Julie Slattery says this, men and women are by nature sexually incompatible. For men, sex leads to feelings of love. For women, feelings of love lead to what? Sex. Yes. Men are quickly aroused and satisfied. She says, women, not so much. Men want direct stimulation in one place. And women want to be touched everywhere, delaying direct stimulation. Men want sex in order to relax. Women must relax in order to enjoy sex. Men tend to be visually aroused while women are aroused through emotional connection. So sex isn't as natural as we think it is, it takes work. It takes connection. So we talked about connecting how? Relationally. Okay, let me look back at my notes. Okay, you wanna look back at your yeah. notes? And if you guys need, need a, one of these, just say I missed that one, okay? So. Connecting relationally, mm -hmm. connecting emotionally. Thank you. Connecting <laughs> physically, physically connecting sexually. sexually. And lastly, we wanna talk about connecting Spiritually. Spiritually. Mm -hmm. I, I can tell you this, by far, this is the most important one at all, uh, of all. And Robin started talking about this one, connecting spiritually. And she mentioned this, praying together. You know, this is so important. We don't play, and let me just get this out there because it's hard for me to be fake because I don't live with a fake wife. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we speak truth. And so I don't want to stand up here and go, oh, we pray together every night. Mm -hmm. Now, some of you do. We don't pray together every night. Now, we pray every day, but not always together. But I want to encourage you, pray together. Grab each other's hands and pray together. Pray for each other. And when Robin talked about, I didn't even know she did that for years where she would fast and pray for me. This is important that we are uh, connecting spiritually in this way. Mm -hmm. Another thing that you can do that would really help you connect spiritually is attend the same church. Go to church together. Yes. Because as you go to church, you get a, a perspective. And each one of you may have one. And you're not sharing if you, if you hear this pastor and they hear that pastor. But you're able to share what you've heard. And you're able to say, this is what I got out of that. So go to church together. Attend church and together. I know, that, I know that sounds really simple. But this is so important that you're able to do that together. That you're experiencing life together. Listen to podcasts together. I've got one waiting for us at home uh, that is going to be on our screen. It's called The Being Known Podcast by Dr. Kurt Thompson. I'm putting that out there because everybody needs to listen. He's, he's a neurologist, a neuroscientist, and he talks about how we can connect with each other on deeper levels. And so I can't wait to go back and we can listen to those things together. And I'll need a dictionary, but, you know, we can <laughs> listen and I'll be writing down nerd words I need to go and look up later on. But yes. I'll listen with you. Yes. And then also uh, getting in the Word of God together. Mm -hmm. Getting in the Word of God, reading the Bible, and letting the Bible speak to us. Amen. You know, as I, we actually have one more point, and I, I think this is so important, is connecting communally. Mm -hmm. Connecting in community. Transformation never takes place in isolation. Some of you are struggling. Because you know what? In your pride, you're saying, I'll do it on my own. I'll fix this on my own. You need other people in your life. You need to be able to call a Larry and say, when can we come over? You need someone. You need a group of people that, that are going in the same direction that will encourage you in your marriage. You need to connect communally. Well, you know, we started out this talk, and this is, I, I want to end it this way. I'm going to ask Dom to come back up because I think this is so important. When we talk about connecting, I think he's still in the room here somewhere. He's behind you. Okay, he's behind me. He's everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I think the part of connecting spiritually is the most important thing that we could experience this weekend. And I, I really meant this on Friday night when I said it. If we leave here only knowing more about marriage, we failed. Because you were meant for him. You exist for him. Your marriage is designed to point to him. And what I realized tonight, some of you, you may not have been living that way. And I can't help it. I, I, as a pastor, I know I'm not your pastor, but I feel like I'm your pastor right now. I really do. I, I look at you and I, I don't see, oh, well, they go to their own church. I am standing here as a pastor going, I want you to have all that God wants for you. Amen. And I don't want to leave here and go back to Nashville and say, hey, there were some in the flock that didn't hear what they needed to hear. And there be, may be a husband here who would say, you know what? I know, I heard what you said. I belong to him, but I've not been living like I belong to him. I've been living on my own. I've been doing things my way, and I've never really, if I'm going to be honest with you, Ray, I've never said yes to Jesus. I've pretended. I've gone along with the program. There could be a wife here. You say the same thing. Yeah, you grew up. You've gone to church. 
you've attended the seminars, but you know in the deep recesses of your heart that somehow you're separated from God and you've never gotten that reconciliation. That song, uh, Waymaker, was just going through my mind because he is the Waymaker. And he wants to make a way for you tonight. So I'm going to ask us to do something special. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, everybody. I don't want you to really, I don't want you to look around. I don't want you to be concerned about what other people are thinking. I, I want you to take inventory of your own heart. And I want you to ask yourself, are you separated from God tonight? Have you not, are you not fulfilling your purpose in life because you belong to him? It could be that you honestly don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you would say, Ray, I want you to pray with me. And, and really, I don't even want to use that same language because some of you, it's a barrier because you've heard this for so many years. Let me put it this way. You know that you've been living for yourself and that you are on the throne and Jesus is not. But this weekend... At this marriage retreat, you say, you know what? I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to him and fulfill his purpose in my life. Is there anybody here that would say, Ray, pray for me? Because I have not, I've, been, I've said no to Jesus, but, you know, tonight I want to say yes to him, to his will, to his way. Thank you. Anyone else? You say, tonight is the night. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything special, but, but raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. 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 I see your hand, but he sees your hand. Yes. You're saying yes to Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Yes. I see you. I want to follow him. I want to fulfill his purpose in my life. Father, thank you for the hands that are raised and that have been raised. You know where they are. You know what's happening in their lives. Some of them have never really given their lives to you. They've just pretended. But right now they want to. Some, they've dethroned you. They've been living on their own. But tonight, they're saying, I want Jesus in control. So if it's you and you've raised your hand, I just want you to whisper a prayer and say, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. I want you to be the king, the boss, and the Lord of my life. Just tell him. Tell him that you're sorry for running your own life. Give him the reins and the control. You see, he lived a life that you couldn't live. He died the death that you should have died. He's made the way that Adam and Eve broke thousands of years ago. They were separated from God, but Jesus has bridged that gap. And so say yes to him. I trust you. I believe in you in the sense that I will give you my life. Say it to him in your own words. Also tonight, it could be that some of you, you've not even had a mission for your marriage. You just wanted your marriage to get better, but you've never thought about you want to tell the story of God through your marriage. And you say, Ray, that's my desire. I want our marriage to tell 
God's story. Yes, we're doing well. We're doing better than we have been doing. Or we're not doing well. I don't know where you are. But you're saying, tonight I'm saying, Lord, I'm giving you our marriage so that our marriage will tell your story. If that's your desire, would you raise your hand? All over the room, yes. You want your marriage to tell his story, to glorify him. Do you guys know the impact that this will have on our culture around us? If your marriage, your one marriage, touches lives around you, your children, your grandchildren, your cousins, your aunts, uncles, friends, neighbors. Father, thank you for the hands all over this room that say, yes, we want our lives, we want our marriages to tell the story of God through Christ. We want to shine for him. Well, he's the way maker. He's able to do it. And so I, I want to encourage you. Um, I don't know. I just feel like we need to do this. Would you guys lightly start singing that? Of the, I, I can't even think of the first verse. Just start singing it. But I want you to give a physical response. If you were to say, you know what? I want this to be a new starting place for our marriage. And I'm going to just walk down here as a statement that this, it's not a statement saying your marriage is good or bad. It's just saying today, this Saturday night, we're saying we want our marriage to go the distance to tell his story. You don't have to, but if you want to, would you come down as we sing? You are here working in this place. I worship you. You worship him in your marriage. I worship you. Yes, tell him. You are here moving in our midst. Just as a couple, just cry out to the Lord. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the dark. Yes, my God, that is who you are. Who is he? He's the way maker. Sing it out. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are here. You are here, turning lives. We worship him in our marriages. You are here. You are healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. Well, he I worship you. You are here, mending every heart. I worship you. Sing it out. You are the way maker. Way maker, miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. Way maker, miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. 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 Touching every heart. We worship you. Worship you. 
You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. And let's just sing this as the last time. You are the way maker. You are way maker. You're the promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Yes, you are the way maker. Miracle. You're the promise keeper. Light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. So, Father, we recognize uh, the greatness of who you are. And so we have couples just standing everywhere because we recognize we can't do this on our own. And so we worship you. We don't worship ourselves. We know that we're messed up. We know that we are broken. We know that we have things that, seeds of destruction in our own lives. But we know that Jesus has overcome all of that. And so tonight... We offer ourselves to you. We offer our marriages as imperfect as they are. We offer ourselves to you and we say, you do your thing through us. You impact the world around us. We want to quit complaining about how terrible the world is and start being who you want us to be. So I pray that our marriages would sing, that our marriages would display, that our marriages would Talk about who you are in such a way that people stand up and take notice and say, there goes God. And so you are the way maker. And we trust you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.